Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. All right, guys, today on Habits and Hustle, we have Susan Sarich, otherwise known as Susie Cakes. For those of you who are not living in California or Texas, I'm telling you, this is the go-to destination if you are someone who needs to satisfy that sweet tooth. They have over 22 locations and just growing uh, nationally. They are known for their service, for the quality, and just overall just amazing cakes and desserts. They are from when Susie was a little girl. Her grandmother had these recipes that she made for Susie, and Susie wanted to create something from this. So she took this with an idea and a concept, and she made it something truly special as a successful business that's, like I said, growing. Uh, Susie shares her insights with us, how she did it, taking that idea and making it a reality, how she raised money, the trials and tribulations that come with being a new business owner, uh, dealing with COVID, the pandemic, how she was able to survive. This was a, this is a really great podcast for anyone who is looking to start a new business, who has an idea, who has a concept, but just doesn't have that, uh, inspiration or that, or having that self doubt. This would be a podcast for you to listen to. Susie also won Ernest and Young's Entrepreneur of the Year Award in Greater Los Angeles, and she now serves as a judge for that event. She is a great lady, and I'm just so happy to have shared this uh, talk with you. Enjoy. All right, you guys, today on Habits and Hustle, we have a friend of mine, actually, which I'm really excited about. Her name is, it's going to sound funny, Susie Stair. Sue Sarich, right? Sarich, yeah. I've never said your last name until like five seconds ago. Uh, and Susie is the one and only woman who's the Susie. She's a Susie in Susie Cakes. And for those of you who don't know what Susie Cakes is, because it's mostly a California and Texas brand, it is one of the most popular dessert chains uh, that I've ever seen. I mean, people are insanely crazy over <laughs> this place here. And I am really, really happy to have you. So thank you for coming on Habits and Hustle. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, gosh, I'm excited to have you. Uh, Susie, also, because it's a small, it's, you know, you run a small business and we're kind of, I don't know if we're like kind of getting out of a pandemic, we're kind of in a pandemic. I think it kind of changes every day. I really wanted to get a sense from you of how it is, how was it to be running and dealing with a small business in this time because I think that a lot of people are having obviously are struggling how did you kind of kind of make your way yeah. through yeah yeah navigate through it it um it was the hard it's been the hardest 18 months since starting the company 15 mm -hmm. years ago because every day is a new challenge and yeah. just when you think you got it down pat there's another change right. in a law or regulation or how the team is feeling about coming to work or about how people are feeling about coming to the bakery. So the last 18 months um, has been really hard. And what we had to do as an organization was figure out how can we operate in this new world? So we changed our entire business model. And how can we operate in this new world with far less people? 
who are working right now. Right. And I want to get more into that yeah. afterwards, but I wanted to kind of uh, talk about that right off yeah, the bat yeah. because I think that that's what we're currently, what everyone seems yeah. to be dealing with, especially if you're an entrepreneur yeah. and if you have a small business yeah. and you're trying to survive, mm-hmm. uh, we all have, the, you know, we all seem to have to pivot and struggle in some way. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I want to kind of uh, bring that up right off yeah. the bat, but I guess we should first start with, how did you even come up with why? Why Susie yeah. Cakes? Yeah. Okay. This is my favorite part. So okay. um, I grew up in Chicago and my two grandmothers are Mildred and Madeline and they lived across the alley from each other. That's how my parents met each mm, other. Okay. And um, my dad was a firefighter. So I spent a lot of time at both of my grandma's houses because he was working these 24 hour shifts. Wow. Yeah. And I became very close with both of them. Um, Mildred was from Poland. Madeline was from Italy. So they were first generation. And their whole essence was about, we came to this country for a better life and you can do anything you want. I mean, it was like from the, my earliest memories were, you know, you can do anything. And um, I would come home from school and, or just go to their house on the weekends. And there would be this like amazing pound cake or cherry pie or oatmeal cookies. I mean, you name it. And it was like there when I came home and we would literally sit at the table like this from when at kindergarten, right? And just, wow. ta- and they'd say, what'd you learn today? And were you nice to people? And what would you do differently? And they were teaching me morals and values. And I didn't know it at the time, of right. course. I was just like happy to eat the cookie or the pie. <laughs> but, um, you know, really strong, stoic women. And so, um, they were great bakers. And so later in life, I inherited their recipes. So that's part one of the story. Okay. Part two is that I always, um, I knew that hospitality was, you know, my calling or my purpose from when I was young. So for me, it wasn't necessarily about the baking piece, but about the connection that baking brings people together, brings people joy, it brings them together. And so, um, from a young age, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We would vacation in Wisconsin at the Holiday Inn that had the pool in the parking lot with the chain link fence. I totally if you, if anybody that. knows yes. what that is, when I say that, sometimes people get this no, like, I like, know look, exactly. like, what is the pool in the parking lot? So, totally, uh, and that yeah, was like yeah. a vacation spot. It was for a total you. vacation right. spot. And so, um, but I would save the shampoo and the yeah. soap, the amenities. And then when my girlfriends came over for sleepovers, I'd make an amenity, right? Like, so I was very, like, hospitable, right? right? Like domestic, that was like, I feel yeah, yeah, the yeah, word, yeah, right? yeah, or domestic yeah. and, and just wanting people to feel at home when they were with me, oh, right? Yeah. Whatever that meant. And, um, so fast forward, um, I wanted to go to college for hospitality and I was fortunate enough to get into Cornell, which was a really big deal for my family to be yeah. the first person to go to college. Um, and then Cornell. Yeah. And so I took that, I took what I did very seriously and was oh. just, I felt so fortunate to be there and I loved my classes and I loved college and, and, um, it was really the business of hospitality. And so, uh, it was like an undergraduate degree. They have hospitality at Cornell? Yeah. yeah. So the whole school, it's, yeah, hotel administration. And so, but Mm. within that, it's HR, it's marketing, it's design and development, culinary, um, you know, every aspect that goes into 
a restaurant or a hotel. Wait, where else did you apply? What, 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 there was no other. That's like the the top school for it. And so, so that's the only place. Well, that there's you other schools for it, but that's no. Cool. But did you did you only like at the did you only apply there because that was your no? Goal? I applied to other schools, oh, okay. um, and I was hopeful that I would get in. Oh, and you got it, and okay. I got in. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then when I graduated, I was very intentional about I want my career path to be working for companies that still have a founder who's running mm-hmm. it, that have a deep value system and culture. Right. Right. So um, I and I didn't know I wanted to open Susie Cakes at the time. It was more about, you know, what do I want to learn right now? Mm -hmm. Because at 21, I didn't think I knew everything. I actually thought I needed to learn stuff. And I'm very glad I did, because I think that's part of was part of my journey was getting experience. And so I worked for um, Hyatt Hotels in Chicago when the Pritzker family was still running it back in the 90s. I worked for Let Us Entertain You Enterprises, which is Richard Melman. He's like a restaurant icon in Chicago. Um, I worked for Ian Traeger Hotels um, wow. at the, the Clift uh, Hotel in San Francisco. And so... What were you doing for them? Though? What was your so job? And so I was doing catering, restaurant management, okay. catering, catering sales. So always um, front of the house. It was oh, really okay. kind of... I was not in the kitchen. At so any, when you so say was, front of the house, explain that so people who yeah, don't understand yeah, like hospitality. That means not in the kitchen cooking or baking, but where the guest guest interfacing. So you're just kind of like customer, like kind of like client relations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So whether it was planning somebody's wedding or, you know, seating people on New Year's Eve Got it. in the okay. ballroom and anything like that, because I like people, mm-hmm. right? And, you sure and do. I, <laughs> and I am, um, I'm extroverted and like that is, you know, kind of, again, what the, the piece that brings me joy. Um, and then also worked for um, House of Blues and uh, Isaac Tigret, who started uh studio 59 and so right um when he had the no i'm sorry that's ian traeger that's okay ian traeger okay. okay um so you, you work for all these people though you yeah. had a ton of great yeah. experience yeah. you yeah. had like ian traeger R- richard melman what did richard melman own though what were his uh, restaurants let us entertain you he's got like 40 restaurants in chicago he is is like, he still he, a huge restaurant he is tour? still the guy in and, chicago and you guys and you always just did front of the house stuff is that always is that the terminology house. yes yes front, front of the house, of the house okay. is terminology and so would you be would you kind of be doing also um sales like were, were you yes, kind of i did sales okay. as well for some of these things like at house of blues in chicago i was in charge of events and so at the mm. house of blues there we were doing everything from oprah's you know, Christmas party for Harpo Studios to like a private party with, you know, um, Aretha Franklin. Right. right? And everything in between. Wow. Okay. So you've kind of like done the gamut. Yeah. Yeah. So I did the gamut from fine dining. I worked at a mobile five-star French restaurant, again, in the front. Right. Catering sales. Um, So I learned what it's like to have- But never making food. Yeah, but never- (laughs) Never baking. Never (laughs) cooking. Never never in the kitchen. Never in the kitchen. Um, So, you know, between that- the nightclub, the hotels, like I felt like I had this really great rounded experience. So around the age of 30, I saw a lot of my friends leave the business, especially females, because it was really hard to have Um, a career in hospitality and then have a family. Right. Right. Or at least alone, I always said like a date, like I never dated because I was like, um, yeah, I'm working. Because the hours are crazy. Yeah, the hours are crazy. You're there until, you know, sometimes the wee hours in the morning, if you're closing the bar or the restaurant, you're working every single New Year's Eve, every single. Every holiday. Every holiday. Every holiday is when people are, you know, dining out. So I was just like, wow, there's like so many of these really smart 
women who love hospitality, but just can't deal with this 50, 60, 70 hour week thing that, that it requires. And crazy. And, and leaving. Yeah. And not like in the daytime. You're like Correct. working into the, like into the middle of the night. Into the middle of the night. Yeah. Like there were nights when I would like go home at three o'clock Saturday night and then have to be back for Sunday brunch at like 9 a.m. Did you work so, that House of Blues brunch uh, Sunday? The yes, Sunday? the gospel brunch. Yeah, the, yeah, gospel, yeah, the brunch? gospel brunch is so fun. Oh my god, so fun. I've heard so about fun. that. Yeah. Do they still have it? They, I think they do. Yeah, I think oh, they do. Okay, it's so fun. Um, People love that thing. They do. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah, it's, it's a, a thing. thing. Um, and I just, you know, and I reported every time. You know, my general managers or food and beverage directors were always men, and that was fine. And they, you know, they were great mentors and I learned a lot from everybody, but I was always like, oh, this is so unusual. Right. right. This is like late nineties, right? Like there's just no women really in upper, right. really upper management, least alone at like the VP and up level, right. or they were few and far between. Exactly. Um, so I wanted, that's when the wheels started turning a little bit and saying like, I got, I would love to build a business model around women having careers in food service and hospitality without mm. having to work on New Year's Eve right. and Christmas Day and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. right like how right. do we do that and not be open 24 seven and close at a reasonable hour so somebody could go out to dinner with their spouse or put their kids to bed or so wow. that was kind of the one piece of it. Right. And then the other piece was um, I really wanted to honor the women of all of our grandmother's generation. Right. That greatest generation mm -hmm. who dedicated their lives to being here so we could be here so that you and I could have the freedoms right. and the careers that we have, right? right? And they never once were like, woe is me, I don't have a career, all I gotta do is cook and bake free people all day long, right? right? They just they did it. They have the wherewithal. They were just stoic yeah. and like, this is what we do. And I think that um, honoring them and really that whole, whatever, all the grandmas and the generation, and the generation of yeah. grandmas, right? Like what a great way to honor those women. Right. By creating a company where women of our generation and our right. age can have careers um, without having to sacrifice, you know, family and other things. So th th that was kind of part of your like mission statement yeah. already. Like yeah. you were kind of very forward thinking because yeah. that wasn't what people were thinking back Correct. then. Because it wasn't even, there was no role model to even, Correct. you had to be kind of pioneer this yeah. entire yeah. Yeah. ideology. Yes. So then how did it go from this concept into an actual yeah. business then? So I wrote a business plan, which I don't think a lot of people do. And when people say, what should I do? I say, write yeah. a business plan. Cause it's really important to say, this is what I stand for. This is what my business will be. Right. And this financially is how I will get there. Cause I think a lot of people underestimate how much money you actually need yes, to start probably. a business. Once you take into account insurance and, attorneys and you all, know, that, all stuff. that stuff, all that stuff. But you, did you, you didn't have a finance background. So how did you do your business plan? Yeah. Did you have to help had, you? Well, or? I had, we had, uh, I did have a, not finance, but it's not my forte, trust me, but <laughs> <laughs> it definitely, you learned some uh, I did, I learned it, you know, we took finance in school, um, in college, but, um, I literally did it. Jen, it was so rudimentary. It was like, okay, I think on a Saturday I can sell 800 cupcakes. You're going to say, where'd you get that number? Right. right. Like I would, uh, go to different bakeries. I took like six months to travel and go to different bakeries in different cities around the country mm -hmm. and just sit outside sometimes and count cars, see what people were buying. Like, okay, Monday is a slow day. Saturday is a peak day. I kind of learned the business from, observation yeah. and also had this little notebook that said like 
things I want to do when I open my company and things I don't want to do. So I'd be like going to a place and I'd be like, oh, I love that they sell birthday candles. You know, I hate that their sign has neon lights on it, like right. whatever that was. Right. That's great. So that though. I was so starting. You're... I'm like super detail oriented on that. Everything has to be like exactly right to make this work. Okay. I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you, but I just want to make sure I understand. So you wanted to honor all of these uh, real non-negotiables yeah, for yeah, you for yeah. a business, but where did the idea come from where I want to take my grandma, yeah. my grandmother's recipes yeah. and create a bakery? Yeah. Like where did that, it where was, was it? Where yeah. was the connection? It's a great question. Okay. So there was a huge aha moment I was okay. living in San Francisco and I moved around a lot for my career and I was unpacking a box and I had the little tin boxes of mm -hmm. three by five handwritten recipe cards. Right. Mm. And I kept saying like, okay, I inherited these. Like I, you know, I'm never going to make this stuff at home for myself because I'm never home because I'm working. Right, right. right. <laughs> but, the um, chicken or the egg. But um, at the time, this was like in the early 2000s. This is when, if you remember when desserts were like super deconstructed and silly, you'd go into a restaurant. And I always, yeah. my, my greatest example is the pineapple upside down cake. Like the pineapple should be part of the cake. But it was like cake, pineapple, and caramel sauce. I'm like, this is not pineapple upside down. It was yeah. like some dehydrated pineapple on the top, like to... Yeah. Add insult to injury. So, yeah, right, right, right. So it was like everything was super complicated. And I think people, you know, I'd go to a restaurant and be like, oh my gosh, can we just have a piece of chocolate cake with chocolate frosting? Nobody wants this. Yeah. Nobody wants rose oil in their. Yeah, exactly. Whatever, in their seven layer bar, right? Like, so it's like people <laughs> were overcomplicating desserts. And, and so it was kind of like, wow, if we could just get back to simplicity mm -hmm. and like desserts from the Midwest that I grew up with that had. Five ingredients, you know, butter, flour, sugar, eggs, vanilla, maybe one or two other things, right? Right. Also at this time, Jen, if you remember early 2000s was when uh, nutritional labeling came out and was required mm -hmm. by the government. So you'd go into a grocery store and there'd be chocolate chip cookies and one of those uh, awful clamshell things, right? Mm -hmm. With the label on it. And you'd go, what is all this stuff? Why are there 85 things in my chocolate chip cookie? Like, right. this is wrong. Right. And so I think people, consumers were starting to get smarter about, I don't want to buy the cookies from the grocery store because yeah. they're not made like I make them at home or right. my grandma makes them or whatnot. So those two things kind of converged along with having these recipes. And then it was like, bingo, this is the plan. This is the business. Like I need to bring really good Midwest desserts to people in California because they do not know what good desserts should right. taste like. Like that's really what I felt my mission was. And then how many recipes did you even kind of inherit? I mean. Oh my God, boxes and boxes. Like boxes and boxes and boxes. And so. And were they baking all the they time? They were baking all the time. We also had all the ethnic stuff, you know, like the Polish kolachkis and the Italian cannolis. So I have all those recipes So too. it's not just bakery yeah, goods yeah, you yeah, have. You have like everything. everything. Yeah. So, but I was focused on, you know, what I thought was kind of missing in the marketplace. Right. And then as you like know, a hole in to the my friends, it's like, where do you go for cakes? And there was like, you can go to these super high-end wedding cake places to spend mm -hmm. $8,000 on a cake that's made with fondant that nobody eats. What's it's, fondant? It's, um, you know, that it's really smooth. It tastes like, I think it tastes a little um, pasty. Um, it's like, it's like you could peel it in a sheet off of a kind cake. of, but you're, yeah. you're such a connoisseur yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. I, I'm not, <laughs> I probably don't know. I don't know the difference at it's all. Fancy. But. Like it's fancy. It's like Mars van. It's like, it's fancy. Yes. Right? We're smart. I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. yeah I know, I know. And so, um, and so you, there was that, and then there was grocery stores and then there were sometimes like mom and poppy bakeries, mm -hmm. but not generally someplace that was like, yes, I've got to go here to get a birthday. Cake, right. 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 It just, there, there wasn't really, you know, whether it was San Francisco or. LA, it kind of like wasn't 
what I had envisioned, what Susie Cakes is now today, that just didn't really exist. It didn't exist. Yeah. 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 So I put together this business plan and then my next goal was to start to raise money. But wait a second, before you even get to the raising (laughs) of the money, I I got one more question. (laughs) Did you do some kind of like market research as to, did you just kind of, because you didn't really see this type of thing? Yeah. Or did you have any way of kind of really seeing, like, did you have another kind of more uh, organized way of knowing what kind of comp- kind of like competition there yeah, was? Yeah. Did you have that? Or that was just more like, I don't see it. Did other people fail before you? Did you see yeah, any of that I stuff? I didn't see anyone doing what I wanted to do, Ever. which okay. gave me, it encouraged me to say, this is something that has not been done prior. Right, okay. And the... You know, the concept is also about that baking on site. You know how in the bakeries, mm-hmm. the, the kitchen is open with glass, right? Well, tell, I think yeah. a lot, some yeah. people don't know. Yeah. So yeah. the whole concept, you can see people actually yes. baking the goods. Correct, right. right. Yeah. And we don't have a central commissary that sends out baked goods to all 26 locations. Like people are baking in each location, yeah. you know, with the frosting recipe. the cupcakes with their hands, mm-hmm. right? Like these are people making baked goods. And I wanted to keep the kitchen open because I want people to see like, look, it's butter. Like, look, yeah. it's, like, look it's chocolate chips. Like these are right, all, right. like this is what we're doing at Susie Cakes and I'm proud of it. Right. And I want them to see the cake decorators, you know, painstakingly, you know. Doing their work. Doing their work. Yeah. And so um, the kitchens are open intentionally. And there's a lot of bakeries that you can't see. Like that was one of the reasons I wanted the kitchen exposed. Mm. Most bakeries, you don't see the kitchen. Right. Which makes me think. What are they doing in the kitchen? What is going on in the kitchen? Exactly. What are they doing in the kitchen? Because, okay, so then you get your business plan together. How long did it take you to put the business plan together? About six months. Yeah. About six months. Yeah. And then, and then that was part of the research and, And you know, traveling and and things of that nature. And, um, and then it was like, okay, I figured you just go to the SBA and you get a loan. Like that's how naive I was. And so I went to the SBA and I had a really, you know, I had experience, I had education and I had a relevant business plan. And right. there were like these men sitting around the table and they said, Susie, baking is a hobby. It's not a business. You should stick to hotels. You've had a really successful career. I was like, I can't like, excuse what just That's happened. what they said yeah. to you? I'm, I was like, wait, this is the SBA. Your whole role is to help people start small businesses, yeah. right? Like encourage them. And they did not think it was a good idea. So then I'm like, okay, well, whatever. The SBA doesn't know anything, right? They're wow. antiquated. Yeah. Move on. I'm just go to a bank. So I started going to banks and every single bank told me Susie Cakes was a bad idea. Every banker, bad idea. This doesn't have legs. People in California don't eat sweets. People are health conscious. And I kept saying, no, people have to celebrate life's moments. You don't have an anniversary party without a cake. You don't have a graduation party without a cake. Like everybody buys cake. It doesn't matter. So why not give people who are health conscious the best cake possible? So Mm -hmm. if you're going to eat cake, eat a cake that you at least know has eggs in it, Mm -hmm. right? Like like eat real food, right? right? right. If you're going to have an indulgence. So I was like... I knew it was, it could work, but everybody, I mean, Jen, everybody thought it was a bad idea. The only people who really encouraged me were my parents. And after the fact, they told me (laughs) that they, they were a little bit concerned it might fail, but they felt I needed to (laughs) see it through or I would have regrets the rest of my life. So even they doubt it. And then my partner, Houston, who's just, you know, been by my side this whole time. And he, kind of the same thing. He's like, you have to do like whatever we have to do to make this happen for you. And whatever happens after that, it's fine. But you have so much 
passion around this business right. and conviction. And I don't know if it's like your grandmother's like channeling, you know, yeah, channeling yeah. and giving you strength to carry on when everybody's saying it's a bad idea. And so I think for people, when they start businesses, I always say like, have just have one person who's like your person to say you can do this right? because there's dark days. And when everybody's saying it's a bad idea, you start to, sometimes you think, am I the crazy one? Right. But you have to have somebody be like, no, you're okay. Just and you had going. Houston to yeah. be your champion yeah. Yeah. and to support you. So what made you be so resilient? Like what was like after the fifth bank or, yeah. or the yeah. 20, many, 20 plus banks? And yeah. 20. So 20, yeah. 20 plus banks yeah. uh, turned you down. Yeah. How much were you asking for? It was not a lot. I want to say like 150,000. That's all you were yeah. asking yeah. for. And yeah. every single yeah. bank turned yeah. you down. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, I guess you couldn't go to friends and family because you said your family had no money, right? Like well, you, that's you up- that's when I that's what I had to pivot. That was my only option. Oh, okay. So instead of just saying like, "Oh, hey, can someone write me this big check?" I was like, "Okay, I've got to like say, Jen, yes. can you give me twenty five hundred dollars or right. five thousand? You order, you own one ninety yeah. <laughs> percentage exactly. of Susie Cakes, but." And I would carry, I had like copies of my business plan. And no matter where I went, like I, I tell the general, my dental hygienist or like, like talking to my dental hygienist, she's like, my, uh, my cousin in Palm Springs, he has a little money. I'm like, give him this, give it. Like I would pass wow. the thing out to anybody who would talk to me, like literally. And you were not getting discouraged. You, you were not like, well, how did you I, maintain your spirit and, and your belief in yourself. I, I, you know, I don't know, Jen, it came from within. It was just conviction around the idea um, or stubbornness or, you know, wanting to prove this or really thinking that this could ultimately bring so many great careers to women and just so much joy to people, right? Right. Who doesn't like cake? Who doesn't like cake, right? Yeah. So it was- um, Oh, and by the way, she has this amazing thing called the seven layer bar and it is Amazing. Okay, so we have to put that in there. <laughs> we do. Yes, that's yes, right. Yeah. That's a plug for we do more than cake. Yeah, you we do, do more pies, than cake. We do great pies. We do, and there's lineups yeah. constantly. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it's. I have to just kind of like interject that. Okay, that's good. Continue. Because um, the resilience yes, that's yeah, necessary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't just after after fifth or sixth or seventh of time you're being rejected. It's yeah. like rejection, yeah. rejection, yeah. rejection. Yeah. yeah. How did you kind of you know kind of pick yourself up oh, by the yeah. boot, by yeah. the bootstraps and yeah. be like. All right, let's go to bank number 14. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's yeah, not, yeah. It's, it's, it's not very easy. hard. It's not easy. And you had and Houston think, to yeah, help yeah, you. Yeah. But, but I think it made me just more like the more people said no, the more I, I like doubled down. Right. Like they don't know what they're talking about. Now they really don't know what they're talking about. And I'm going to show everybody. It was almost like wanting to prove that I yeah. could do it at that point in time. Yeah. Because it was make it was making me angry because I felt like I'm I, I'm competent. And it's not like I'm whatever, an accountant who's like, oh, I'm going to go bake cupcakes. It was like very, very, very different. Do you really believe that every single one of those people were really kind of not into the idea? Or do you think it was because if you're also a woman at that time, 20, at year, that 20 time, years yeah, ago? It's a long time ago. Yeah. Right. It was different. It's a, it, it was different. It was different. It was very different. It so was very different. Do you different. think it was a kind of a combination I think of a it lot was, of yeah, different reasons? I do. And so then you had to kind of figure out the next. So you had to kind of like think out of the box or think of your next thing. And you thought, okay, family and friends. And so you're holding, you're you're basically like going around and you kind of cobbled together how much? 150? Yes. Cobbled together. And that was like exactly. By who? Who gave you the money? It was 
my uncle, well, I remember my uncle Tony wrote the first check for five thousand dollars. Remember him giving it to us, and wow. I was just crying because I'm like, "You're the." I, and he said, "I believe in you." He's like, I'm, "He said I'm betting." Remember what he said exactly? He's no longer with us. He said, "I'm betting on the I'm I'm betting on the jockey, not on the horse." He's like, "I'm betting on the jockey, and this jockey is going to win." And he wow. said that to me. That's Italian, you know, for gambling. One hundred percent. I know. I know. <laughs> That's I, my Italian background. I love Chicago. It. Uh, so um, he gave the gold, me gold pinky ring. You know, like just he's class. And like that, I'll never forget that because it's like, again, it goes back to that one person who tells you you can do it. And that was like everything. And then once I had that, then I could start saying, oh, people have already invested, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my Uncle Tony, but you know, people have already invested. <laughs> a lot grand. of people. You want to get in on this deal now because this is going fast. <laughs> this is where your Italian yeah, you yeah, know, spirit comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then now you have five grand. You can't do much with okay, five yeah, grand. Yeah. So where did the other 145 come from? It came from small amounts from family and friends and friends of friends, right? So okay. there was like this pretty extensive network. Some people who I didn't even know. No. Okay. Who like, cause people like to be in food service. Generally they like, think it's fun. They like it more if they know what the concept is right. versus like, I or they know, like, cake. Is, yeah, yeah. Or they like cake. Yeah. And, um, and so we also were able to, and this is like where karma in life comes into play. We had a friend who, um, well, my mom also took a second mortgage out on her home for us. And um, we had a friend who, uh, Houston, my partner, had helped open restaurants uh, previous, and he felt like he needed to kind of pay it forward. So he took out also a loan on his house for us. And wow. like, so that actually made the whole thing way more real for me, right? Because right. like now it's people's livelihoods, you know, yeah. that are, or their home or, or whatnot. And so that's how we got the money together. And then it became the next big hurdle to overcome was like finding a landlord who would rent to me because it's an unknown concept is like, you know, landlords are like, no, I could put a Starbucks in here. Jamba juice. Why in the world would I give it to Susie? Right. right. Like, who is Susie? Like, did you right. name it Susie Cakes, too? I named it Susie Cakes. Yeah. So that and that was, was okay. you know, and that's my grandma's called me Susie when I was younger and it was, you know just kind of like all American name yeah. for all American bakery. So um, that, so that came, my next thing was like finding a landlord and finding a space. And so I knew we wanted, and one thing we, we did learn in our real estate classes was location, location, location. And I knew I had to find for the first one, the best location possible. It needed to be a neighborhood with families and kids and dogs and strollers and soccer camps and ballet schools and all of those things. Right. 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 And we were living in San Francisco at the time. I didn't even really, we didn't come down to LA until we couldn't find anything in San Francisco because um, the laws were such that we were zoned as fast food because we baked on site and we didn't have chairs. So they, or, or we baked on site and um, we didn't have seating. Mm. So they compared us to like a 24 hour drive through Taco Bell that where people were doing unsavory things in the parking lot. We're, we're like this Disney-esque bakery, wow, right? Yeah. So the neighborhoods we wanted to be in, whether it was Pacific Heights or Laurel Village or any, you know, the marina, we were zoned. They wouldn't even look at the city you. wouldn't even look at Susie Cake. So then that's when it's like, OK, well, let's try this in L.A. where there's eight million people. It's a bigger market and figure it out. But I had never even been here. So the first location yeah. was in L.A. Yes. Was it was it, a Brentwood location. It was a Brentwood location. Yeah. And so Brent, Brentwood was like a really expensive neighborhood. Mm -hmm. so that must have been crazy rent for it there. was crazy rent. And the and the landlord, we when we had seen the spot, I said, this is it. Like I got like this is the spot. Like we looked at 
all different areas. Right. Santa Monica, Studio City, Hancock Parking. When we saw, when I saw the place in Brentwood, I'm like, this is where it needs to be. It was a bike shop, right? It's like this bike shop. So it had to yeah. be converted to food service. I totally not remember. Cheap. And so I was like, it has to be here. So the land, I had a meeting with the landlord and he was kind of like, you know, you seem like a nice gal. Uh, <laughs> a nice lady. <laughs> a nice lady. Yeah. But um, no, like, uh, you know, this is prime real estate in Brentwood. Like, I'm not going to rent you. So I made him cupcakes, cookies, pies. I would go to his offices on Wilshire near the bakery i would we lived in west hollywood at the time i would go to his office with baked goods and he would i'd wait i knew what time we would come in and he was so funny i'm like michael hi and he's like hey Susie. he's like again you know you can bring me all the baked goods in the world but like i you know i'm it's not happening and i was so persistent that i that what happened was i, I don't even know how many weeks it was after that he called me or i can't remember this part but it was his wife and his daughter who said, if this woman has this much conviction around getting the space, imagine how hard she'll work her business. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. So that is how I got the space. But that was like a real, that was like the second, like, oh my God. But that was oh perseverance yeah. and tenacity yeah. right there. So you had to really kind of have these qualities. Like, are those an are those like natural qualities that you already have, like tenacity, persistence, resilience, or was it because you were so passionate about this one idea that it kind of came from within? I think it was taught to me as a as a young girl. Yeah. I think my grandmothers were teaching me that, right. like setting me up for my life, but I didn't know it at the time. Well, so how were they doing that? By sitting you down? Just, yeah, just like it was kind of like the you can do anything. Don't let people tell you no. Stay true to what you know is, you know, So they were the right saying thing. this to you while you were sitting down having yeah. your bakery yeah, good. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, for me, all those life lessons are like, I, I can't look at a piece of cake without thinking of all of right. those things that they taught me. So I, 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 I owe it to both of them. I really do. So it's interesting because of like right now, a lot of people talk about like how their childhood you know, experiences or their trauma sometimes or whatever that is mm. really do play a major role in like how their adult life happens. Mm. And because you were taught very young mm -hmm. about perseverance and not taking no for an answer, that yeah. that kind of has like stayed with you for your like to, for your success. Yes. Basically, it's yeah. kind of created your success or helped Correct. you, Correct. you know, with your success, yeah. which is I think this is amazing. Yeah. So, again, that's why it's so yeah. important to be surrounded by people who are, you know, they say it was the, f the five people closest to you are yeah. the people that you are right. become or resemble the yeah. most. Okay. So now you have this location. Yeah. Now the question is, what do you do now? You right. don't know how to like do it. You've never done right. a bakery. Exactly. So, so what do you do? We what do, you do? So we designed, you know, I, I, from all my bakery visits at different bakeries and just kind of knowing the industry, uh, designed the plan and worked with an architect but I, again i knew what i wanted right generally speaking um that i wanted it to be you know it should have like retro touches you know it should look old-fashioned yeah. but modern and contemporary the brand is amazing. yeah yeah i mean that's one thing yeah. i noticed it yeah. looks like it, it it's like so on yeah like on target yeah. on point did you do the Thank branding you. yeah i did the branding i mean i had it wow. i had a graphics designer worked with but we were like developing Susie and it was like, does she have pearls? Take the pearls off. Are her heel, does she have high heels, low heels? Like, what does her dress look like? Does she have an apron? Does it go out? Like I was, so, I thought he was going to fire me. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm like, no, but it has to be perfect. Like your logo has to be 
perfect, right? That somebody sees it and they know exactly what it's going to be, right? right? Because I wanted Susie to be, my goal is for Susie to be like the Nike swoosh. Like people should see Susie Cakes and just know it's Susie Cakes, right? right? So I was super particular about that. The blue are, is called Susie Blue, but it was my grandmother's Pyrex mixing bowl colors. So if you remember oh, from back in the day, yes. they were colored on the outside, white on the inside. Yeah. Um, and I have those actually. Yeah, yeah. And they're so special. So that's where the, where the Susie blue came from. Mm. Like, and then the Susie, the logo is that red is a 69, uh, Mustang, which, um, called cherry red. And so it's like, like a little bit of a retro red, mm -hmm. but that's where the inspiration came from that. And red is a little bit of a nod to red, white, and blue of kind of the Americana piece of Susie cake. So that was all you know, thought out. So we designed it and then I had to find a contractor. That was a whole nother situation because we ha we were, you know, on a shoestring budget and finally got a contractor. Um, it took an extremely long time to build out and everything that could have gone wrong could have the city uh, wanted us to put in a 25,000 25, gallon grease interceptor, which is about the size of a Volkswagen bug, even though we don't have grease, right? Oh my and gosh. you had to build that into the ground. And so I fought the city on this. I went to the city council and like, okay, we don't have grease. Like we're not a donut right. shop or like we're not frying anything. But it was just like the law is that if you have food service, you have to have this grease trap interceptor thing. So how did you even not burn and through so the 150? We did. And so yeah. then it came to the dark moment. Oh, <laughs> this is the low moment. And here this it goes. is the moment where it's yes. like, okay, this is not happening, right? Like now the, now I was feeling like the universe was maybe starting to give me signs. We mm -hmm. had the grease interceptor thing. We had this water line that was 1 18th of an inch too small and they had to saw cut this. And, and my contractor was like, that's going to be another $35,000 to do that. I'm like, I don't have it. Like, we don't have it. And that is when Houston, who's my, uh, my rock in life, he sold his car to get that last amount of money. And I don't want to be like all jewel. We weren't living in a car, but we had two cars and he yeah. sold the car. And it was a really sentimental car to him because uh, he had uh, had gotten some money when his dad passed and his dad said, spend it on something that will mean the world oh. to you. And so he said, I'm going to sell this car because there's nothing more important than you doing this. So it I was never, like- I didn't yeah, know that yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. What so kind of car did he buy? It was a Porsche Boxster. So he sold yeah. his Porsche yeah. Boxster yeah. to give you the money yeah. to do, I know it sounds like, oh, like- I know it was, river, I know, but, but, but because time, it was money it. from his dad's, you know, 100%. passing, it was a sentimental thing. A hundred percent, very sentimental. Yeah. And he sold his car mm -hmm. to give you the money so you can have your dream. And that's it. And we, that was it. Then that was the money. And we got all this crazy stuff done. And now we had to open. And so what happened? And, so and, so what, what, <laughs> and then what happened? And I feel like I'm watching a movie. And then, then what happened? I know I always say, this yeah. could be lifetime miniseries. Yeah, right? I kind of feel like it's. Yeah. Um, then, uh, you know, I hired a few people. Like, we didn't know what we were going to do. Right. So I just, like, hired a, a few people. Um, I hired an amazing um executive baker right okay. because i know i'm not the person to be in the kitchen baking right. I knew that was not you, you my that skill set. start yeah my skill do you know set. how to bake anything though like do you know how to make the cake if you have and to if i had to yeah, yeah. like like if you I know in, to, in a, in a pinch is, in, or not ish because <laughs> you know funnily enough houston is an amazing chef yes. and cook yes. i mean i had we had dinner a little while ago and houston made the most phenomenal dinner uh, so I was thinking, worst case scenario, Houston right, could Houston. be the chef, you know what I mean? He can make the cake. Easy, you know? Why not? Yeah. 
Okay, so you're yeah, not yeah, you're not yeah. the, you're you're more the idea yeah. person, the people person, yeah. literally the front end person. Yeah, yeah, and you have no idea where really what to do with the with the right. back end. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so then you hire so yeah, so again, yeah, yeah, like so I, I'm also a believer in like hire people who do things better than you yes. and let them do things better than you do, right? right? right. Um, and I, I always say that, like, if I was, like, if baking was the piece that was passion for me versus the connection and celebration mm -hmm. about baking, um, I would have been in the kitchen with my head down baking, right? right? But I was out front being like, Jen, tell me about your kid's school. Oh, you know, you know, yeah. working the neighborhood, like in Brentwood, all those Italian restaurants, I'd go bring, you know, cupcakes at the end of night and say, give them to your guests. Like my marketing, we had no, no money, You right? were like a real hustler. You so really I were. Was, yeah. You and, were like and, working yeah. it. And because like, again, Easy. yeah, like no money for anything. And then like there was always traffic on Sam Sunday. So at the end of the day, I like have a tray where the traffic was stopped and I'd go out to cars and knock on windows. And people were like, what is like, no, I don't want it. I'm yeah. not like, I'm not selling it. I just want you to try it. I'm, this is my bakery. Like people are like, okay, crazy lady. Right. And I kept thinking like someday the news needs to come and like see Susie, yeah. you know, out there with the tray. But it was. I had to work it you because you can't just open the door and hope people come in. It's no. like you have to build the brand. And so all of our marketing was through, I want to give back to the community that we're going to be part of for a long time. And so it was through donations, right? Like that, what could I do? I, ha I don't have money, but I have cupcakes. I've got, I've got products so that if you're having, you know, when everything from the black tie lupus event at the Four Seasons right. to the local Girl Scout troop. And I said, yes, yes, yes. Anybody who said yes, it was like, I'm going to give this to you because I know if you take these 24 cupcakes to the PTA meeting, there's going to be 24 parents who go, where'd you get these? They're amazing. Yeah. Like I had so much confidence in the quality of the product right. that I knew if I just got it into people's homes that we would be in their homes for a long time. So I have a bunch of questions. My first question <laughs> is when you were dealing with the restaurants, were you telling them also to give it to their, to their, um, to the restaurant, like, like their, their patrons yes, or guests, yes, yes, yes. as dessert. Um, and but you were you and you weren't charging the restaurants. No, you were just giving no, it's just giving them, it to right. them. So or you were giving them yeah. like like very high quality products for mm -hmm. them to kind of share yes, with the guests. Yeah, yeah. What I was going to say, what I find very interesting is you really haven't changed that much because when my kids were having things at their school, yeah, you were giving yeah, me, yeah. yeah, that's right. Remember, you gave me yeah, like all that stuff for tons you, yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, for my for the school stuff, and it's clever. Like yeah. I, I understand it's it's opportunistic but at the same time it's it's but it's also coming from a, from a good place but it's smart it's like mm -hmm. here take this stuff and all of those mothers all of those people yeah. all of the people in that community are going to get to know your product mm -hmm. so like you're not you're not very short-sighted at all you always were very like mm -hmm. you always saw beyond the mm -hmm. the short mm -hmm. gain you know right and that and so it, and obviously it works to your advantage yeah. right because all of those people now are like are yeah fanatical are like, like fans like, yeah, literally yeah, I don't yeah. know the proper word like who are who are like die yeah we call them yeah Susie Loyals like we call them yeah. is, is that what you call <laughs> yeah. them you know even Dimitri yeah. over there you know I mean everybody when I posted yeah. that little thing I you know on you with a with the with Instagram I could not believe the response of people like oh my god I love yeah. it I love yeah. that carrot cake's the best carrot yeah. cake or the you flower why though because it's an emotional connection 100%. it brings people back somewhere else to a happier simpler time i'm convinced of that no you're and right so or when you're at somebody's wedding they'll be like oh my god that we, that we had you at our wedding and now, well first at an engagement party then a wedding then they have the you know gender reveal party then they have the baby's yep. first birthday party then we're in somebody's home and it's like well it's Susie, right yeah. like you're like we, a family yeah, member yeah we get our 
pumpkin pie every Thanksgiving, right? No, you get like it's like, part of it is becomes a thing. It's a ritual. Yeah, it becomes it's a part ritual. of someone's it's ritual. Their habits. <laughs> it's their habits yeah. and their ritual yeah. and their routine. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the that I was gonna ask you, and I always ask people this question, like what makes your product or whatever unique, but I think it kind of stays, you know, kind of like stands for itself yeah. with this, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it does like that, what that first bite or whatever that has, yeah. it brings them back to that, that yeah. really good memory or that yeah. time they, you know, that the wedding or the bar mitzvah or yeah. the yeah. party or when yeah. they were a kid and their grandmother right. made. Right. Like something. Right. Yeah. Cause those, those seven layer bars that yeah. I love, yeah. it reminds me of what my mom and my grandmother made me. Yeah when I was a little girl yeah. and yeah. I haven't, ha I haven't yeah. had them like yeah. that since yeah. until I had them at your, yeah. at, I think when you gave them to me yeah. like a year ago, two yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, um, that's great. So then, okay. So then let's say kind of fast forward and how do you take a business that you have? That's one. Now you have one location, you have yeah, one location. Right. Yeah. yeah. How do you take that and then scale it? Okay. So great question again. I, um, I had opened the first location with standard operating procedures for everything, mm -hmm. knowing I wanted more than one bakery. Got so it. my goal wasn't like, let me just open one bakery in Brownwood. It was like, let me bring these recipes in this little tin box to the whole country. Everybody needs to try these. Right. People need to connect more. They need to celebrate more. This is what I need to do. And okay. so I started, we had a way for answering the phone. I mean, my I had like one, I had an intern from Cornell mm -hmm. and like two other part-time people. And I was like, so we answer the phone. This is the procedure. Thank you for calling Susie. They're like, why can't we just say hello? Like I had a ritual for everything, yeah. right? Like, yeah, so it was very specific. This is what the case looks like every day. The strawberry cupcakes are always here. The chocolate are here, right? Like, because I wanted to duplicate Susie K. Right. So I thought I'm not going to recreate the wheel when we open location number two, because right. I had this conviction that we were going to get a second right. location. And how did you know how to do that? Did you learn that in school? I did. Yeah, I learned that and that through my career. Right. Okay. So, you know, through the different companies I worked for that, I knew that having the SOPs for everything and checklists for opening the bakery and so give me some, charge. give me some of the standard operating procedures that you thought really kind of help bring you to the map, like put you okay. on the map. Yeah. So one of the things um, we did in the early days um, until up until COVID was we would call every guest back who ordered a cake to see how their cake was. This was not my original idea. This is Danny Meyer um, out of New York. He wrote a book um, setting the table. And he said when he opened his first restaurant that every morning he would close the office door to the manager's office and call all the reservations back from the day before and ask how their dinner was. And if something was wrong, he'd fix it in the moment. And when I read that in that book, mm -hmm. I'm like, this is absolutely brilliant because with scratch baking, stuff can happen. It could be underbaked or overbaked or too much salt. I mean, whatever, it's human It's human people doing stuff, right. right? So it could happen. But I'd rather call you and I say, Jen, how was the red velvet cake? And you know what, Susie? It actually wasn't that good. And I'll say, I'm so sorry about that. I'm gonna refund you and I'm gonna send you a gift card for your next celebration because I know we didn't deliver on that. And so what are you gonna tell people? It's not like you're gonna go tell everybody that the cake was dry or you might say the cake was bad, but look what they did for 100%. me. 100%. And so I was like, we just have to, again, it comes back to trust, right? Because people are trusting you with their milestone moments in their lives and they have to believe that you're gonna be able to deliver. Mm -hmm. and they're not gonna show up to Susie Cakes on a Saturday morning and the cake's not gonna be there. 
Exactly, right? which happened to which me. Which happens, actually. Uh, not, it happens not all here, the time. Yeah, not, not to, to you. It happened to me at yeah, Baskin yeah, Robbins yeah, yeah, three yeah. times. Yeah. Sorry, Baskin Robbins. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> so, I ordered cakes and then not there. So that's, ice cream cake. Yeah, only that's, ice cream cakes for my kids, so don't take it personally, Susie. And I want you to be offended. I'm only going because mocha almond fudge. Sorry. That's okay. I can support Baskin Thank you. I like it's that. ice I like cream, yes. it's not yes, cake. It's I get the pie, yeah. not the yeah, cake. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta make sure it's, phew, got nervous there. I didn't insult you. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you're going to like, what? What's happening? You're going to walk out uh, on me pretty, like, pretty soon. Um, so that, um, so that's one standard operating procedure. You know, greeting people when they come in the door was another. Mm. The welcome to Susie Cakes, offering a sample. Like all of those things kind of building an experience so that people would want to be there. They would feel like welcomed into Susie Cakes. Absolutely. Like, yes, it's a business selling cakes, but you're part of it. And right. one of our values is making days better. And so like, how do we, how does Jen come in and maybe she's like, late to something or trying to pick up her kids or whatever. It's got a lot going on as everybody does. And right. But how do we make Jen's day better? Do we walk the stuff out to her car? She's double parked and we see the ticket guy coming. Like, how do we make people know we care right. about them? But you said something about the cases, like there yeah. has to have a red cake here yeah, and yeah, a why. Yeah. What's, what is well, the, is he, there like some like, kind of- It needed to have order, okay. right? And it needed to be like, I have the cupcakes on the bottom because kids like color, right? So that that's closest to the kids, right? Like, so there was, there's, again, everything mm. is super, super, super intentional. Nothing is yeah. by- Mistake, by, by mistake, yeah, by mistake yeah. Susie Cakes. Every there's a why for literally everything, um, and and you came up with all of these whys. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning because so much needed, about yeah, you, yeah, Susie. Yeah, yeah. So it was. So all you the know, cupcakes on the bottom, so the kids see the color. Yeah, yeah. I want one more. I want one you want more. Another yeah. reason. This about is very interesting. Stuff is yeah, and because this is how put, you build yeah. a brand. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. the top shelf closest to the point of sale is whatever is a seasonal coming up, so people order it. So maybe it'll be like now apple pie order for mm -hmm. Rosh Hashanah or order you know, whatever, football cookies for football season. It's subliminal. Right? People so, are yeah, doing so things very like, subliminally. Yeah, and it's very close. So when they're standing there waiting to pay, they're like, oh, this is the next holiday coming up. We should order our Halloween cookies now. So top shelf closest is a marketing for a future holiday. Right. So the lesson here, everybody, is like always be strategic and like think ahead and be intentional with what you're doing and stay on brand. I think that's yeah. another big one. Oh right? my gosh. Being true to what you are and who you do. Like I admire In-N-Out Burger so much for just saying we do burgers. We Absolutely. don't do fish sandwiches or chicken. So at Suzy Cakes, when people are like, do you make tiramisu? I'm like, no, like we are an all American homestyle bakery. Like tiramisu is an Italian dessert, right. right? I'm Italian, but this is not an Italian bakery, right? right? Or, you know, people who say, you know, they want, you know, the gluten-free items. And so I said, you know, we don't do that. Well, I don't, I don't have any recipes my grandma's made with rice flour, almond flour. And right. so it's like, if it wasn't in the pantry in 1950, we don't bake with it. Right. And you so flourless the, the flourless closest. items, yeah, we just don't use flour in it, right? So those flourless chocolate cupcakes, they just don't have flour, but I'm not trying to use a substitute flour right. or substitute sweetener. Like it's sugar. Right. Which, by the Chocolate, way, pure yeah. Yeah. by the way, like re regular natural sugar has been shown and proven to be so much better for you yeah. anyway. Yeah. And much more. It's just it, it's cleaner. Yeah, it's cleaner. So then, OK, let's get back to the scaling yeah. of the business. So how do you then scale yeah. the business? Okay. So then, right, six months in, we were doing really well. And people, you know, it's a it's a wealthy area in Brentwood. People started saying, oh, 
I might kind of like this closer to my house in Malibu. Have you thought about Calabasas? Have mm. you thought about Studio City? Now people were like into it, mm-hmm. right? Because they could see it, right? Now you're in Susie Cake, see it, feel it, taste it, like Absolutely. you know what it is. So then I said, ah, okay. Now, instead of going back and raising money for one more bakery, let's raise money for three. Like I said, we just, I don't want to keep going, doing this back to the well. So right. let's raise enough money where we can open something in Orange County, and in the South Bay, in Manhattan Beach, and somewhere up in the Valley. Right. Like I, this is where my, I think people sometimes get limited um, by, you know, I can't do it or that's too much or whatnot. But like I always say, like, think bigger than you think you have the capabilities yeah. for doing. And so for me, I was like, I'm not going to keep asking money every time I want to open a bakery. I want to do this fundraising thing once raise enough for three bakeries. It actually mitigates the investor's risk because it's three bakeries in case Calabasas isn't great. Manhattan Beach will be right. It's right. actually like and a it safer bet, yeah. you know, um, it's less risky from an investment standpoint. So at that point, it was we'll really easy. We'll talk about that easy. a little bit. I think yeah. people are interested in that. So yeah. it's, le- it's say that again. So it's less risky for someone to open up three locations right. than one more location. Correct. Because if one does badly, right, then you've, yeah, then, then you're screwed. Bit, yeah. But if you have another one that, you know, but maybe one will do badly, but there's a chance that the other one will do really well, really right, well and it right. can I, it would Correct. find its equilibrium yeah right okay that's an interesting point yeah all right go so on. um it was far easier to raise money that round because we had proven financials right People could see it feel it the original investor group almost everybody in that original group wrote checks again for the next three bakeries because they were already getting dividend checks so how much were you raising now for your second round this was a couple hundred thousand. I'd say, I can't remember exactly, maybe like 900,000. So you million. went from a 150 yeah, yeah. to like a million-ish. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then you raised the money mm-hmm. from, again, you went You went now from other friends and family, mm-hmm. but were you now institutional money yet? No. Because that's really no. small for yeah. institutional. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then you started, to, then and you then built we these started, three. Yeah, then we built the three. And, you know, sequentially opened them. We would seed new bakeries. We still this, do this today with people who had been with the company a while so that they carry the culture mm. and kind of the, mm-hmm. you know, the Susie torch, if you will. Um, and it was about one a year when we got those four open and they were all doing extremely well. And then the naysayers came in again because I wanted to open in San Francisco and people were like, oh, this works in L.A., but it doesn't work in San Francisco. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, really? Like, I have four bakeries. And they were all working well. Was there one that was kind of a dog? No. They were all doing well. They were all doing well. So uh, they were great locations. So basically you have really, really kind of stuck to the whole location, location, Mm -hmm. location. They were all doing well. Yes. Um, And I should say, like, did it help that like you had like. It was, it's such a celebrity favorite. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe because you're living in L.A., like everyone and their dog is like mm-hmm. eating these cakes. Like I would go and like Ben Affleck would be in line yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and like when a Paltrow would be yeah, like yeah, driving yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it literally is like <laughs> yeah, A-lister yeah. after yeah, A-lister. Yeah. Does that did that kind of help build your brand? Were they, were they it promoting did. it for you? Well, like, that was this was pre-social media. Right. right, but you had yeah. us, but, but we did before have the tabloids. That, right, yeah, yeah. you had like Us Weeklies and t- whatever, yeah. people, like life is yeah, people, yeah, life yeah. is style. And then it's in stars, they're just like us. Like so, there was a lot of that in the 
and the bag is branded. So when they're walking out, it's clear that and they pe- were and people are taking these pictures. And people see that. So I think that absolutely helped. Be- because I'm thinking of that brand uh, that Oprah was all crazy for, uh, uh, the cupcake brand, Sparkies, not Sparkies. Sprinkles. Sprinkles. Yeah, sp- <laughs> sprinkles. I couldn't remember the name of it. And like, it, it I love it. <laughs> Sparky Sprinkles. You could tell I'm a huge dessert eater, mm. although I do like your stuff. But, you know, because of Oprah yammering on yeah. about it and it being in all the magazines. Yeah, it imploded. It impl- it, it, and that's with yeah. every single yeah. lot of brands. Exploded. exploded. I know you yeah, meant exploded. Yeah. But that's at the time, yeah. that's how a brand really got traction. Yeah. Those magazines are, were sometimes even yeah. more popular than what yeah. social media can be yeah. for some people. Yeah. So that kept building your mm-hmm. brand and elevating mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. kind of like making it like the hot, sexy yes. thing to have. Yeah. So did you get a lot of people like tourists coming here that who wanted to try it because they saw... When I mean, I'm just we, making up like yeah, J-Lo eating yeah, a piece of yeah. it. Like we did. We didn't actually. I think what more um, because I would say like Susie cakes. Yeah, it can be a snacky snack, but it's more of a the cakes for your celebrations. Right. right? So more people like buying whole cakes was more of our business model. Not the cupcakes. Not, I mean, we had the cupcakes and sell quite a few of them, but it wasn't necessarily predicated on come buy one cupcake. Right, right, right. And that yeah. was more like a like because you're really selling or part of your, again, your very strategic and very on point with your branding being the celebratory, yeah. a connection point, yeah. not just like stuff and ram down a cupcake in right, the yeah. back of your right. car, yeah, yeah. you know, when you come here to try it, you know what I mean? So there's a whole different kind of selling feature there, you know? yes. but there's a big difference. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You see like, you know, you can see these people like grabbing one and stuffing it, you know, yeah. when they're driving, it's not the same. Yeah. You're not having that same type of, it's not the same type yeah. of experience. Um, okay. So then you, then when did you get institutional money? So then these people were saying no again, and you were trying to build in San Francisco. Then how did you kind yeah. of? So again, I was like, okay, well, we're just going to do this. There's no way this is not going to work yeah. in San Francisco. So went up to San Francisco and I, I think we built out those four up there again, really similar. More, so another four, another four, very similar. But where'd you get the money? For the next that four. we were doing through cash flow at that point. Oh, yeah. So you were self funding and self funding. Maybe took a little bit of money for those three or four, but not a lot. How do you do that? So that's another. So there's friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like there's like private equity money, mm-hmm. or you can also do cash flow where you're taking money. Yeah, we're that, taking out of the business of and putting business it back in. Yeah, and putting it back yeah, in yeah. by opening. So yeah, you were able to open four other locations just yes. on cash flow. Cash flow and maybe a little bit of external money again through friends and family like that group just kept growing and then it was very wow. easy to go back to whoever and and get another check so this is in, so you had eight locate so when did you even get institutional money at eight so at eight once so i oh. proven out san francisco because that again we hit home run there again and the <sighs> stores did extremely well and so at that point, we had a pretty good concept that was proven. And so people can say, well, now and then, of course, people are like, well, now it doesn't go outside of California. But yeah. there's just always people <laughs> always who just want to break you down. And it is crazy to me. It's amazing. Even though you I have like a proven concept yeah, over and over and over it is again. Really, that has actually been, I think, one of the most surprising things about um, running a business or owning a business or growing a business is that so many people just always want to find a way to say why it won't work yeah. again. It's just really odd to me. And it's like become my life's work to anybody who wants to open a business. I would never discourage somebody from opening a business ever. Even if it's not the greatest idea I've ever heard. I'm like, okay, here's how I might like 
right, you know, right, whatever, right. zhuzh this up a little bit, but you have to do this. You need to do this. Well, I find it very interesting. I think it's a lot of times because you people are so, so they're so filled with fear and doubt yeah. that they, they're, they're for themselves, mm -hmm. that they're, they're projecting it on, yeah. on yeah. someone else. Yeah. So then that's when you had to raise the money for, how much did you raise institutionally? A lot. Like a lot, okay. <laughs> um, okay, and then was that, and to, that was to, for four more? For, no, then we then we went on a, a pretty heavy um, growth trajectory. Then once we had like some real, you know, gas in the tank, yeah. then it was like, you don't have to open one every year. It was like, let's open three to five a year, right? So, you, so then you so were then on we a started, Yeah, okay. then we started, that's where we went from eight to get to this 26 that we're at now. So you, what was the jump? It went from eight to what? Eight to 26? <sighs> I you know, I think it was like, instead of one every year, it became like three, three a year. And were they all hitting home runs over and over no, again? No, we made some real, real estate Mistakes. misses. Was that. this because you had partners now that you were now, you had people you had, before it's it a different like, game. It's, it's a, a different, different game. game. It's a different game. And I think a lot of people talk about this because you're not the only one in control. Correct. You get diluted when you go into institutional money and then you're not. So someone else is running the ship. Kind of, well, how, did you it's have to give away a lot of the company? Yeah. I mean, you have to, yeah, yeah, to do you that. Have to, you have to. So it's, it's, it's a different game in that you're working with much bigger numbers now. Right. right? right. And so every mistake is magnified. You know, if there are mistakes or real estate mistake, like everything just becomes more because there's a lot more at stake monetarily right. versus a couple hundred thousand. When you're talking now millions, it becomes a different, it becomes a different game. So. Would you give, what can, what would be one piece of advice you would give entrepreneurs who mm -hmm. are in that same place that you were when raising money with institutions? I think it's um, really no who your partners are going to be like, re like really know them as people um, beyond because there's a lot of people who can write checks, but mm -hmm. making sure that um, your your values are really, truly aligned. Right. You know what I mean? Like Having the same vision. Yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, there are some things that are absolutes for me, like they, you know, have never said you need to change the butter. Right. Like they like butter is absolute to me. Like. I'm not going to use cheaper butter. Or what less kind of butter do butter. you use? Okay, we use European style butter, right. which has the highest butter fat. That's why it's so yummy. Okay, so <laughs> I, okay, so what is the difference? Is American yeah. butter? Is there Canadian it's just, butter? No, no, no. It's just European style butter. Okay, so, so uh, and all other butter. Okay, yeah, so yeah. it's regular butter. It, How about like grass-fed or organic and all that stuff? What's the I difference? I mean, you can get that butter. That takes it into another stratosphere. It doesn't necessarily change the uh, flavor profile. Oh, okay. Um, so you're yeah. talking only about the consistency and yeah. the flavor profile. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what does European style do? It's higher, higher fat. Oh, that's yeah. what makes it so delicious. Yeah. Yes, though. That's why it's so good. Yeah. So it's also more expensive, probably. It right. It is way more expensive. Right. Yeah. So way more expensive. So because a lot of times when people expand, and I've seen this with a lot of different uh, restaurants and brands where I don't even go anymore, mm -hmm. is that the, when they start to expand, their quality becomes so much, so much it becomes diminished. Yeah. It becomes, it, it changes. And then you, it's like the whole brand's gone. Yeah. Or when people sell, get yeah. acquired yeah. to a bigger brand, yeah. everything, the, 
yeah. the caliber of yeah. what it was yeah. is gone. Yeah, but and, we have stayed really true. Well, I was we gonna say, so you put really, that- really true to what we are without compromise so about that's what Susie Cakes is. No one has ever said, we should do croissant sandwiches or it's like, or we should have smoothies here. Right. Like right, you've right, seen right. concepts where that happens, oh, right. Where you're like, what happened? This used to be a, you know, Greek salad restaurant. And now whatever oh, they're selling, like oh, something crazy, great complete, juice, yeah. like fresh juice. You're like, no, this doesn't work. So, um, that has been really fortunate that they supported my vision mm-hmm. and what Susie Cakes is, right? right? Like what makes Susie Cakes so special? Because if we start cutting corners, then we just become another bakery. Yeah. And I don't want to become another bakery. Like we are so special to people yeah. because our baked goods are extraordinary and we give great service. You do. And you can count on us. And so if we start saying, oh, we can do this with less expensive ingredients or less people or this or that, it's no longer Susie Cakes. So why did you decide to do it this way versus other 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 brands, um, especially in the food industry, yeah. they franchise? Yeah. Is it because you wanted to make sure you had control yes. of the quality? That's exactly why. That's exactly why. I think, you know, a lot of uh, what we do is custom work, mm-hmm. right? And um, it's artisan, right? Yeah. So it's not like most franchise concepts are kind of like turnkey where you open a bag and you add oil, right? Yeah. Like making Betty Crocker. Right. You know, you is know, that even like, brands here that yeah, do that, yeah, right? Yeah, Okay. Or, um, or they don't really have like, you can't just hire somebody off the street and pick a city, whatever. We sold a franchise in Kansas City to yeah. then decorate a cake, right? Like it, it's a trained art. Yeah. And so I, you know, t- to kind of protect the brand and the integrity of the brand, I intentionally chose to say, well, we're going to stay a company owned yeah. non-franchise model. Could it be right. a franchise model? Sure. You could totally change it up and you could probably do it. But at this juncture, that's not something that is of interest. So then how, so when did you imp- like put in place? Cause what you're kind of known, not what you're known. For. Well, yeah, I think you are known for this to some degree if ha- about your how your employee packages are, how you treat mm-hmm. your employees, the healthcare. What was it? The yeah. other thing that it was the animal rescue. The animal yeah, rescue. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's you know, we're, it sounds amazing. I'd like to work yeah. for you. I mean, you get be- your benefits. <laughs> if you could bake, <laughs> if I could bake, exactly. And let's not kill. I could barely even boil water. But um, if I was able to, because your benefits. Um, are so superior to so many other pl- people in your world. Yeah. How, was that something that I was think, important yeah, to you at the well, beginning? What was intention- I think what the most important, what appeals to people working with Susie Cakes is this not having to work 24 seven, right? Mm-hmm. So people will come to us coming, been a pastry chef at a hotel and are like, I'm so happy that, you know, we close at five, six, seven, whatever, pick your well, time. Talk, it's let's not, talk about the benefits. Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. I think that this is what's extra- extraordinary yeah. that it is something that's very unusual. There's like, for like, isn't that for like women? There's, you don't have to, if moms, we'll yeah, talk well, about we it. Do, well, a lot of, you know, what I wanted to do was make it that, you know, women, whether they were in their twenties, graduating culinary school up to women in their sixties who were empty nesters, right. Could find a place at Susie cakes. Right. And so we do have everything. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of, of women, twenties, thirties, whose kids are going to kindergarten. Now they're like, I have some free time on my hand, 40, their kids are going to college or 50, you know, so everybody's in these different stages. Um, They may not want like this, like high powered career, but to say like, I just love being around baked goods or I love baking or I love decorating or I love 
helping somebody plan their celebration. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, our workforce is eight, almost 80 percent female. And I think that's because we are so supportive of whatever stage in life that you're in, right? So you don't have to pregnant. be on this career track. Okay, so what if yeah. I was, you know, if I was, if I was having a baby? Yeah, I would. So yeah, we have a lot of pregnant women, and then some will come back after the baby, some won't. Some come back after the baby, and they move into another role, like maybe uh, yeah. they were in the kitchen, and now they're answering, you know, custom requests via email. Right. Right. So like you can. You know, when the company was bigger, there was more opportunity around that. We've scaled back since COVID, but well, right. generally we're, speaking, we're going to get back. We're yeah, going yeah, 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 to circle that. back to we're COVID. Gonna, yeah, I haven't yeah, forgotten. Yeah. So then, whatever, uh, like name, like talk a little bit about the benef- other benefits yeah. that you, you guys have. Your birth, have. this is a new one. You have your birthday off, right? So it's like a paid holiday to have your birthday off. Wow. 50% off all baked goods, which is, you know, okay. which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, vacation time. Uh, healthcare, vision, dental, the pet insurance. Yeah, what's this pet insurance? Pet insurance is really important. Um, If you have an animal who has a catastrophic illness, like as I'm living through right now. With your doggy, yeah. It pays for their care. And those bills are like human bills. I mean, they are a couple thousand dollars. And for people, you know, a lot of people, their pets are their children. And... That's a, that's a unique benefit. And then we do a dog and cat reimbursement. If you adopt an animal, we will reimburse you for the cost of rescuing that animal wow. and what your expenses to get set up at home. Because I think animals are important in people's lives. And like you come home from a hard day at work and then it's like, oh my God, here's my dog, right? And oh my God, Susie Cakes helped me get this dog. And it saves an animal, right? Out of the animal shelters. So like, it's just a, wow. it's just a like, core value. <laughs> how, how did you, so I was going to say, is that something that, is that a, that has to be a core value. Yeah. I mean, are, are there other people that came even out doing of my, that? I don't know if anybody else is it doing It came that. out of your, out of yeah. your situation. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the, we've been doing this for pre oh, for Felix how, getting yeah. the, yeah. Yeah. How we've been doing the pet reimbursement. Oh, I think since almost the inception of the company. How, like who thinks of this? Yeah. Like, I mean, you just thought of that. Because I you guess. had, a, you, I mean, I've never heard of that. Have you ever heard of that? No. Yes. I have never heard of that. I've never heard of that either. Yeah. I mean, are people like just clamoring like, to work they, for you yeah, over no. there? <laughs> I mean, you would think so, right? But I guess is not. Such, <laughs> well, I think now is yeah, a very yeah, difficult it's, it's, time. Yeah, it's a difficult time with the pandemic. And let's, let's we'll circle back there yeah. really quickly because what did you do to pivot in that time? Yeah. So because now. I think a big, a lot of, a big problem that a lot of different people are having in a lot of different industries is finding people. Yeah. Right. Because of the checks that people are getting. Yeah. So what do you have to close down most of your shops? How are you delivering? What are you doing? So we had to say, okay, um, how do we, we couldn't just, you know, say let's open up all the locations again. Like when the stay at home order came, we shut everything down. And then we said, okay, how, how do, do you we- stay in business though? Aren't you losing so much money? Like well, you know, you're, the real estate and all well, the you're negotiating like crazy with all your landlords. It was just like a full-time negotiation with all the landlords, just saying, I don't have money coming in. But right? were you, you must've been selling a ton of cakes. People are, people are also depressed at home, sure. bored, so people emotionally started eating. saying So people were writing emails yeah. to Susie at Susie Cakes saying, yeah. 
I need that. Like we need this in our life right now. There is nothing to look forward to. Right. Like I want to take my kids to Susie Cakes to be in Susie Cakes. Like we need Susie Cakes. I think right? my husband was one of those yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, okay, we we need to reopen. We don't have a lot of people. We don't even know if enough people are going to come in to reopen. You know, because reopening is expensive. You've got to get. Yeah. You know, you have to bring all the ingredients back in. It's just a whole. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Turn on the phones. The music system. It, it's a whole thing. Right. So, um, the whole thing. And it's, then it's a whole thing. So we started, we said, okay, let's open up slowly and let's do only what we can with the people we have. So when we first opened up last April or May, we said, okay, let's open up one bakery in each district, right? Mm-hmm. Orange County, LA, San Francisco and Texas. We're going to open up one in each. But in Texas, wasn't it? E- wouldn't it be easier because it was much more lenient than California? It still was. It, they were more lenient, but it, we still had trouble. You know, people either they couldn't come to work because of childcare, mm-hmm. um, or they were taking care of uh, uh, elders, or they lived with their grandparents. Like there was a whole host of reasons mm-hmm. why people, or they were just scared, right? Back yeah. in the early days or even now, right? right? So there was a multitude of reasons why people were not wanting to, you know, come back into the workforce. And so it's like, okay, we have less people. We can't offer this whole menu. I can't have 30 things. I can't have the seven layers. I can't have the pudding, right? If those things that were like smaller sellers for us, it's like, let's stick to what people really want. And that's the cakes, right? right. Let's start with the cakes, whole cakes, you know, like a I think like menu. two or three flavors. Yeah. So we yeah. only had yeah. a few cakes in the beginning. And what we kinds? told people we did our most popular, which are vanilla celebration cake, the old fashioned chocolate chocolate mm-hmm. and um, the red velvet and then okay. the marble. And then like we kind of added in, you know, we kind of looked at our sales mix from the last, you know, 14 years and saying, what are our best sellers? Let's just make those because right. we have limited resources and have to bring in less ingredients for less products. Right. So we've kind of just stuck to that plan as we were able to add people to uh, the mix or people mm-hmm. who wanted to come back. We're still significantly under. So we have about 50% of the team that we had uh, pre-COVID. So you got to get your, your, your guy to go in the kitchen and start baking. Yeah. What, are you, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, it's so, a perfect so example. We, yeah. So we, ha- so we went from a seven day model, uh, where we were open 10 to seven in most bakeries mm-hmm. to five day a week model from 11 to five. So we went from, I think we're at about 50% of the hours we used to be open. So we shortened our hours. Yeah. We're closed Monday and Tuesday close at five o'clock now. This is like all we can do, right? Like there's wow. no point in like trying to do something that you just don't have the human capacity to do. So we uh, made shorter hours, limited menu, mm-hmm. um, much more restrictive on like you couldn't come today and get like, you know, a wedding cake with Indian henna on the side of it. Like we just don't have yeah. the, the manpower, the bandwidth to do that kind of custom work that we used to do. So we streamlined it. We said, okay, we can't do the Indian henna, but like here are the 10 decorations we can do for you, right? And so did you feel like there was way more demand, way for, more the, demand. for the supply? Way more demand, way more demand. Can you offer more money to these people? Say, hey, I'll pay you We've, double. We have done many things to try to change the situation. And it just, I've landed on, um, it is what it is. And we will do the best we can until circumstances change. Like it, you just got to be in that mindset because that is something I cannot control. Right. So then, but is it better? Is it 
from from Texas to California, is Texas doing better because of the leniency, though? No, not necessarily. Still, still the same. Yeah, not necessarily. So, uh, what's your tra- what what was your trajectory? Like, aren't you opening more bakeries? Were you supposed to be opening? Oh, more? sure. Yeah, what we stopped. Pro- I mean, we stopped all development. What was supposed COVID to be? When, so we were COVID. supposed to open. I don't know, two or three bakeries last year, and then that just that like, just put stopped. A halt on yeah, that. yeah. So we stopped that, mm-hmm. and um, we had a couple leases that we were already, I think this Pasadena where we're opening in a couple of weeks, like we were already signed a lease and I have wanted to be in Pasadena since I opened yeah. in Brentwood. I, I think it's just like ground zero for us. So um, we knew, and we had a great landlord there who said, when you guys are ready, I'm going to be here. Right. Like he oh, was wow. awesome. Yeah. And held it, didn't make us pay dead rent and said, I get it. I want you as a tenant. We're all, we're all in it for the long game. I'm not going to be short-sighted and try to sue you for, you know, right. rent when you don't have money. It's crazy. Right. So exactly. So we've started up development again, really slowly and with the, you know, expectation that by Q2 next year, life has got to start to come back to normal. Right. If not, we'll continue operating on this sort of recessed model because it works. And, you know, people will, you know, generally say, okay, I really love your X, Y, Z. You don't, lemon squares, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have lemon squares, but we have our lemon cake, which is similar, not exact, but try the slice of lemon cake. Right. See if I can like move you into another treat. Right, 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 right. But then then they have to buy a whole cake. Oh my God. No, we do slices. No, we do slices. We sell slices. You do sell slices? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wish yeah. you didn't tell me that. Yeah, so that's not very. I know, good. I know, the carrot cake. I know, I know, my I know. God, that I carrot know. cake's delicious. <laughs> but still, those seven layers are my favorite. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so then my, I think that's basically. Oh yeah, I would yeah. like to ask you this yeah. because you've had a lot of different, you know, you've kind of had a lot of ebbs and flows in this career and like raising money and and all that. Um, what would you say would be some like some leadership? takeaways that you can give to people or like that. And for an entrepreneur, like from what I gather from this conversation, resilience is extremely Mm -hmm. important. You didn't give up. You didn't listen to naysayers, um, have conviction Mm -hmm. and, you know, have tenacity and persistence. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you would tell an entrepreneur who's wanting to start a small Mm -hmm. business or in the process of like having to, you know, in the expansion, mm-hmm. what from your lessons, what you would kind of tell mm-hmm. people besides mm-hmm. the one that mm-hmm. you gave us about having partners that are aligned? Yeah. Or anything else? I think, you know, it's um, just talking, learning from other people, speaking to as many people as you can, because sometimes it sounds super fantastic and sexy to say, you know, mm-hmm. we now have 26 locations, but a lot of responsibility comes with that financial responsibility, um, you know, human resources, you know, there's many things that you just magnitude, uh, excuse me, multiply, you know, the stressors in your own life, uh, and on your team's life by becoming a bigger company. And sometimes, um, people always think bigger, better, but sometimes it's not a bad thing to have, you know, two or three or four, Super profitable uh, yeah, yeah, places. Or a $10 million business instead of $100 million. You have a $10 million business where you, you know, bring $2 million to the bottom line. Do you really need more? It's right. like it's like personal. You just have to really know what your desire is right. and be really clear that bigger can sometimes be. 
And what, what do you think that for the leadership part, because you really did, you kind of like instilled some really great stuff, the benefit package, the yeah. pet stuff, like how you, because what are some th- some key things that you would tell someone yeah. that's important when as a leader? Yeah. Well, one thing uh, we did early on is we have um, core values of the company, which we had, again, back to my standard operating yeah. procedures, you know, before we that. started. And um, it allows you, if you really believe it, I mean, everybody's got these things with like 85 things, like we are honest. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, how do you make values that people actually say, yeah, I want to work for that company because, right? So ours are super simple of, um, uh, we start with, we take celebration seriously, mm-hmm. right? So we, we are not just here selling cakes. Your celebration means a lot to us. The next is your first bite is as good as your last. It speaks to consistency. Mm-hmm. The next is we make days better. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we build more than cakes. We build careers. So I'm firmly committed. It's core value that if you come to work for Suzy Cakes, that I, I, all of us, the senior team, the leadership team want to see you have a long career with us. So that is another reason why I've always been inspired to keep opening more locations because it allows us to keep people longer, Mm -hmm. team members longer. And so we have this, I'll just go on a side note here, Jen, on benefits. We do, when somebody's with us 10 years, we send them to Hawaii for five days, two people, all expenses paid. When I came up with that benefit, I never thought anybody would really be at Susie Cakes 10 years. We have now given away, I don't know, a dozen of those. Who even stays at a company for 10 years anymore? Nobody. Right? People so jump ship fast. That's, you know, but I think those people that that goes back to the value, we build more than cakes, we build more careers. Like I want people to feel that they, if they want to learn and grow and get promotions, like some people don't, like some people, you know, not everybody is meant to be, you know, a head baker or general manager. Maybe some people just like really enjoy coming to work and, you know, mm-hmm. doing what they love to do. So there's that. Um, and then there's, we, we are good neighbors, um, which is about, you know, that one was about giving back to the communities that give to us. Mm-hmm. And the last one is, um, is my favorite, but it's important. It's, um, we remember where we came from and it's about being really humble. Right. And like, I never forget that no matter how big the company gets or whatever kind of car I drive or, you know, all those things, like I know what my roots are and that's the most important thing. So I think if you have values as a leader that you share with your team and then you actually live those values and walk the walk, you can build a really strong culture. Oh, Susie, I love you. You're such a sweetheart. And this is like, I, you know, you really are. You're like, you are so authentic. You're so good. And I mean, it, it shows. I mean, how you treat your employees and how you've kind of built your business and your core values. I mean, it, I, I wish you nothing but luck and success and growth. And I'm so happy you Thank came you. on this podcast. Thank you. Oh. I really appreciate it. I'm really honored that no, you chose I, to have me. So, Thank Oh, my you. gosh. And you brought treats, which make <laughs> you even more of a special guest. I mean, where I say, where can pe- oh. people find you? Because the truth of the matter yeah. is you have too much supply. So people yeah. <laughs> find her, but don't order any cake from her. So you can know where the, you can know where the location is, but then just keep on keep on driving or keep on walking. Because you're not taking any, you don't have, you don't deliver across the country yet. You are we going are, we're to. going to. Oh, we're you are. We're working on that. Yeah. That's the next big thing we're working on right now is shipping cakes. Shipping cakes? Shipping cakes. When yeah. would that be kind of out and about? Early next year. Really? Yeah. 
We're working really hard right now oh to get my that going. Because we get a ton of requests for people who used to live here, now live on the East Coast. They're like, I need the celebration cake. Like, I have to have it. Or I want to send it to my best friend who lives in Boca Raton. Like, people are like, we need we need to be able to move these things oh, around the country. Oh, for sure. So that's the next big... Um, oh, my. We got to get more thing, employees, so lady. Yeah. I know. <laughs> let's, let's just hope that happens. But like I said, you can go on the website. Yeah, just yeah. don't order any cake. Yeah. <laughs> and um, But if you do, try to maybe send an email about those seven layers and see yeah. when they're coming. And those, are the, those are the best. Um, so where is it? Suzycakes.com? Suzycakes.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's basically it. That's all. I mean, yeah. you were a pleasure. And thank, thank you for you. coming on. Thank you. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.